What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian MMA podcast. I am your host, and my name is John. And this week, we are back to analyze the UFC 265 pay-per-view going down Saturday night, August 7, 2021, headlined by Cyril Gaon versus Derek Lewis. This 13-fight car will take place from Houston, Texas, which means it will take place in the large UFC cage. And before we get into this week's fights, just a quick recap of last week's event. I went 4-5-1 on official predictions, but still profited 3.09 units on official track bets. And if you actually go back and look at the past two UFC events on the podcast, I've predicted more fights wrong than I have correctly, yet have still profited 9.08 units during that time frame. So it's not all about official picks and who I think is going to win the fight on official prediction basis. It's about who I think the betting value is on, where I think the percentages are off, where I think the market is off. So don't always just bet on who I say is my official pick to win bet on who i say the betting value is on and keep that in mind also one more shout out before we get into this week's podcast i did release the martian and ozzy show about 24 hours ago you can hear me and ozzy's thoughts on the entire card uh if you like a little bit more back and forth a little bit more of a casual conversation of these fights go out and go over and listen to that one it's a little bit longer it did clock in close to two hours this time and if you like the short concise breakdown with just me then continue listening to this one or maybe listen to both if you're a big supporter but I appreciate everyone listening to both podcasts. So with that being said, we're going to get into the first fight on this UFC 265 card, which takes place in the Bantamweight division. We have Johnny Munoz as the minus 254 favorite, taking on Jamie Simmons as the plus 214 underdog. I actually still think there's some value left on Johnny Munoz here as a favorite. I know it's heavy chalk in the minus 250 range, but... I really cap Johnny Munoz closer to 80% here, and I do have a big bet tracked on Johnny Munoz here. I have three units on his money line at minus 230, and I have a parlay with him and another fighter on the card, which we will get to later. I won't spoil it ahead of time, but I'm very confident in Johnny Munoz here. Just looking at Simmons, he's dropping down from 145 to this fight at 135, and Simmons just doesn't look uh, like a good fighter anywhere. He looks very sloppy in the striking and grappling, doesn't seem to be a big power threat on the feet. I wouldn't even give him a striking advantage here against Munoz. Striking is the area where Munoz is the most green. He's definitely a grappler, looking to get the fight to the floor with his wrestling and his jujitsu skill in most of his fights, and he is a black belt on the ground, and I think we're just going to see some massive levels in this fight between the ground game between these two. I think that Munoz is going to be a much better grappler. He's going to hit takedowns. He's going to keep top position, and he's probably going to finish Simmons on the ground here. But even if this fight stays in the feet, I think Johnny Munoz probably has a slight striking advantage just because Simmons is so sloppy, and Munoz shoots a high amount of takedowns. He fought Nate Maness in his UFC debut on just about 24 hours notice and still shot a high amount of takedowns there, was pursuing takedowns in the clinch nonstop, was pushing Maness against the cage I was trying to take him down for the full 15 minutes so if he was shooting takedowns against Maness who I consider to be a better fighter than Simmons for the full 15 minutes on short notice I think he's going to have no problem doing it here so I'm really struggling to see any way that Johnny Munoz loses this fight. I mean, I guess some flash knockout in round one is Simmons' best chance to win, but I really think that one takedown for Munoz is probably going to be the fight. He's just going to outgrapple Simmons so badly that we're probably going to see either a depleted Simmons in round two or he's going to get finished in round one. So I think that Munoz should cruise to a pretty easy victory here using his wrestling and his grappling to win, and I think he's probably going to get a finish. So 
I think we could see a Munoz TKO from a ground and pound or a submission. So I would just take Munoz money line here. I think there's value all the way up until four, minus 400. I mean, I think he should be a hefty, hefty favorite here. So I'm going big on Munoz here. Uh, it's one of the bigger bets in the past few months on the Martian MMA podcast. So I'm pretty confident it hits and the pick is Munoz by submission. The next fight takes place in the women's flyweight division. We have Melissa Gatto as the minus 114 favorite, taking on Victoria Leonardo as the minus 106 underdog. I actually have another bet tracked on this fight, and I know it's low-level women's MMA. I know you can't be too confident in either side here, but from the tape that we've seen, I see a lot of advantages for Leonardo here. So right off the bat, you can just look at their resumes and see that Gatto hasn't fought since late 2018 so it's coming up on three years without a fight for her and most of her wins are guard submissions where she involves getting taken down by low-level opponents and hitting some weak arm bar or triangle or kimura off her back but i've seen her taken down and put on bottom for long periods of time she's really bad off her back and she's so reliant on those guard submissions that she can just lay on her back for four or five minutes of an entire round and there isn't much footage of Gatto striking out there, but the limited footage we have seen, she looks like a very sloppy and ineffective striker, and I wouldn't even give her a striking advantage here over Leonardo. So unless Melissa Gatto has massively improved in the three years away from the cage, and it's likely that she has slightly improved, but she's going to need some massive improvements to beat Leonardo here because she just has so many weaknesses that I think that Leonardo is going to be able to exploit. And since the last time Gatto has fought a single time in MMA, Leonardo is 6-2 and two during that time period. Uh, she's been in there with tough competition like Fierro, uh, like Miranda Maverick. She's won fights over Invicta Vets. She's won fights over lower-level women's MMA competition. You know, she's she's done a lot in the time. She won on the contender series against Hackett, and she showed a good game plan there to, to get inside on an opponent, to hit those clinch trip takedowns, to stay safe in half guard when you're on top, and she eventually passed them out and pounded Hackett out with some really good ground to pound there. So I think that would be a very effective game plan here. Just hit easy takedowns on Gatto, watch out for that guard submission, lay on top in half guard, look to pass guard, look to stay safe, win rounds, win rounds with your top control, land ground to pound, maybe even find a finish these later rounds because all she has to do is avoid that guard submission and she should be good to win the fight here because i think leonardo is the better striker wrestler she's beaten the better competition she's more active i think that leonardo should be a pretty clear favorite here i cap her 55 percent minimum so if you can get a plus next to leonardo's name i really recommend you take it i bet her at plus 104 it's currently minus 106 but even if it's slight even money there's still value on leonardo she should be minus 130 minus 150 minimum and capping get Gatto as a favorite here heavily heavily assumes that she's improved over the past three years and there's just no footage to really uh, to indicate that so I can't trust that to bet her as a favorite no way I'll be taking the underdog here and I'll be cheering for Leonardo to pull off uh, the upset victory and I think she does I think she's either going to get a late finish in rounds two or three or win a pretty comfortable decision here so uh, let's go with uh, a round three TKO for Leonardo and uh, I think she's cashing as a dog here the next fight takes place in the Bantamweight division. We have Miles Johns as the minus 200 favorite taking on Anderson Dos Santos as the plus 170 underdog. And I have another track bet here, a half unit bet on Anderson Dos Santos as a plus 180 underdog. And this fight was supposed to happen about a month ago, and I was planning on betting Dos Santos there, and nothing has really changed. The line has actually gotten better. The last time I was planning on betting him around plus 150, plus 160, now I'm getting an even better price, so I'm happy to take a small bet on Dos Santos. I'm not 
not super confident in Dos Santos here. I do think he is at a striking disadvantage, but I think he is the better overall grappler. I think he's got the better jujitsu of the two. I think when the fight stays at the feet, we're going to see Miles Johns working that new and improved jab of his. I think his boxing has been looking to improve these past few fights, and I think he probably will be out striking, out boxing Anderson Dos Santos, but Dos Santos can come forward. He can string together a combination of punches, and when he gets wild, he can be somewhat effective on the feet with his punches at times, but where I think the real advantages for Anderson Dos Santos here is in the grappling. Miles Johns does like to grapple a good amount, but he's not really good at anything. I don't think he's a great wrestler. He's certainly not great on top. And I think we have seen him controlled enough by jiu-jitsu guys to think that Anderson Dos Santos has a really good chance to win this fight. If you look at the Cole Smith fight, he was able to take Miles Johns back two times in that fight. Uh, he got about seven or eight minutes of, of control in that fight. He had a lot of opportunities to get some submissions. And I think that if Anderson Dos Santos watched that fight, he can realize that he has the jiu-jitsu advantage here and maybe look for some back takes, look to take the grappling to Johns, initiate the grappling. And I think Anderson Dos Santos is just going to be a live dog here. I'm still going to be officially picking Miles Johns to outstrike Dos Santos with that jab to a decision, but I would be happy to be wrong about this one. Like I said, it's not all about the picks. It's about who you think the betting value is on. I would cap Johns as a 60% favorite here. Maybe minus 150, minus 170 would be more appropriate, but minus 200, there's no way I would lay that chalk on Johns. So take a small bet on Anderson Dos Santos here. I think he'll fight for your money, and if he can make this fight into the grappling, I think he's a real live dog to pull off this upset. So official pick miles john's decision but i'll be cheering for dos santos to pull off the dog victory the next fight takes place in the flyweight division we have men cop as the minus 202 favorite taking on oday osborne as the plus 172 underdog Manel Kopp is still looking for that first UFC victory. His first two fights were both difficult matchups. Uh, no real shame in losing either of those fights. And I think he put up a respectable effort in both of those fights. Probably should have won that Nikolau decision winning rounds two and three there. But the judges gave that one to Nikolau. Before Cape got into the UFC, his main problem was, I think, grappling. He had been outgrappled and lost several fights due to being taken down, but I think his defensive grappling has actually been making big improvements, especially in his first two UFC fights. But his biggest problem in the UFC so far has been his output, has been his activity, his aggression. He hasn't been throwing enough strikes, and he has been leaving the fight on the table for these judges to, to give his opponent the decision. So if he comes out here looking aggressive, looking like a pressure fighter with good volume like he did in round two, versus Mateus Nicolau, he should be a minus 400 favorite against Ode Osborne. He probably outboxes Osborne badly, might even finish Osborne by a knockout at some point. But if you're looking at bet Cape here, you do have to be concerned that he might still have that same issue of the low output. He might kind of give Ode Osborne a tentative kickboxing type of fight where he could possibly lose another decision on output. So you always have to have that type of concern when you're laying the minus 200 chalk. I'm not exactly in a rush to bet Cape as a minus 200 favorite, but I do think he should win this fight pretty comfortably. I only see two ways that O'Day is able to pull off the upset. He could catch Cape early in round one, possibly knock him out. O'Day does seem to have some pop behind his punches, so that's slightly possible. And the only other way is maybe Cape has that same issue where he is not aggressive enough and we have a slow low output decision where either guy could win a coin flip like decision i don't think either of those are too likely but i think they're both kind of likely enough to scare me off of laying that minus 200 so cape's not a guy i would trust at that minus 200 price but maybe look at that cape knockout prop 
fight ends by knockout on Fandle with some pretty good odds. And another prop I like for this fight is fight ends by knockout in round one. I think these two guys have a good chance to come out and just swing at each other. Oday Osborne is cutting weight down to 125 for the first time in a long time for this fight. So it's possible that Oday has no chin and Kate might get him out of there in round one. So I like the Cape knockout props here and possibly even a knockout in the first round. So the pick for me is going to be either Cape by knockout or decision. The next fight takes place in the women's strawweight division. We have Karolina Kovalkiewicz as the minus 137 favorite, taking on Jessica Penne as the plus 117 underdog. A lot of action has been coming in on Karolina Kovalkiewicz's line. I recorded the podcast with Ozzy last night about 24 hours ago, and Kovalkiewicz was minus 120 there. She's now minus 137, so just a lot of action in the past 24 hours coming in on Karolina. And personally, I don't get it. I do not agree with the Karolina action. Carolina has not fought in about a year and a half, and she is on a four-fight losing streak. I do think with women fighters, you do have to kind of be less concerned about that stuff. Like, if you look at Tisha Torres, I think she was on a three- or four-fight losing streak, and then all of a sudden turned it around and looked great in her past two fights. That's just because the Carolina was actually fighting really high-level competition. This is a step-down in competition for her, but Carolina was really looking lost in those fights. She showed no signs of hope, was getting outboxed, out-wrestled, just beaten in every aspect of MMA. She didn't show any of that same tenacity or fire she had earlier in her UFC career. So maybe she comes back rejuvenated and rested here, but in her recent fights, she was not looking good. She was not reacting well to getting hit. She was getting taken down and out grappled by women who aren't really that great grapplers. So I think there's a good chance that Jessica Penny makes this fight close everywhere. I think the striking will be very competitive. Jessica Penny is coming off a long layoff herself, won her last fight after a four-year layoff. And I think Penny looks solid everywhere there. She got kind of muscled around and tossed a bit by Godinez, but her chin looked fine. Her striking looks serviceable. Some decent straight punches and front kicks up the middle. I think that she has the striking to make this fight pretty close. I would still give a slight striking advantage to Carolina, but I don't think it's going to be a big margin at all on the feet. And in the grappling of this matchup, I give a pretty big advantage to Jessica Penne. She doesn't really have reliable wrestling or takedowns to get this fight to the floor, but she has really crafty ways of getting back takes. She's got that long frame for the weight class, and once the fight gets in the clinch, she's really good at slipping out to the back, getting some hooks in, and dragging this fight to the floor. That's really how she won the fight against Godinez, and I think the same game plan could work here. And Carolina actually likes going to the clinch. She might voluntarily end up in the clinch here. And next thing you know, Jessica Penny reverses or slips out the back and is able to take her down or take her back. And I think that there's going to be a lot of close, sloppy, grappling clinch exchanges here. And I think that fight just favors Jessica Penny. She was kind of outgunned. She wasn't the better striker. She wasn't as strong as Godinez in her last fight, but she still found a way to win by getting some crafty positions there, getting those back takes, and just having the better experience of being the better grappler than Godinez. And I think that she could possibly pull off the upset here against Carolina in the same fashion. Now, looking at the odds for this one, there's no way I would be laying the chalk on Carolina Kovakiewicz coming off a one and a half year layoff, hasn't won a fight in three and a half years, lost four fights in a row, was getting out wrestled by Yan Shannon. I just can't lay that chalk there. I, I think that it's dogger pass all day. And I think that Jessica Penny is actually worth a small bet here at plus 117. I think she has all the potential to make this fight close everywhere. And I think she's the better grappler and has the grappling upside here. So I like Jessica Penny to pull off the upset here. I think she is going to get those back takes, those clinch positions that favor her. And I think that she's going to find a way to grapple her way to a decision victory here. So I like Penny to pull off the upset victory as the dog. The next fight takes place in the light heavyweight division. We have Alonzo Menafield as the minus 240 favorite taking on Ed Herman as the plus 205 underdog. 
not a huge fan of Alonzo Menafield. I don't think he's really a good fighter at all. He's a great athlete, but doesn't really take advantage of those athletic attributes that he has. He's not a smart fighter. He doesn't seem to be making any improvements whatsoever as a fighter. And he also has a big gas problem. The later the fight goes, he tends to gas out. He doesn't really have any success in the UFC past the four-minute mark. I was kind of noticing this the other day looking at his record. He has a few knockouts around the three or four-minute mark of round one against Marrera, against Craig. He tapped out Sharon in round one, but... The Dev Clark fight, he tired out three or four minutes into that one, got his ass kicked in rounds two and three there. He was getting soundly beaten by OSP the entire fight, got completely dominated in round two there. So if Ed Herman is able to survive past the three or four minute mark here, that's typically when Alonzo Minifield starts to gas out and slow down. So that's really what you have to look out for in this fight. Can Ed Herman survive that early storm and make it past three, four, five minutes? And he should have the advantage once the fight gets into round two, round three. He's the much more experienced fighter. Probably the more well-rounded fighter, honestly. Even though he is old, he's slow, he's not the fighter he once was. He's been taking some beatings in his most recent fight, especially the most recent one against Mike Rodriguez, but I don't put a whole lot of stock into that loss, or actually it was a win, you know, he pulled off the comeback win, um, because Mike Rodriguez would do the same thing to Alonzo Menafield. Uh, Ed Herman got beat up there, but it's not really too relevant because Rodriguez is a better striker than Alonzo Menafield is. So there's a good chance that Alonzo catches Ed Herman with a punch and puts his lights out in round one here. There's a good chance that he hurts him and rushes into the clinch and typically makes it a boring clinch grindy fight like he typically likes to do. A lot of outcomes are on the table here. It's a Lonzo Menafield fight. It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, but I like Ed Herman's chances to pull off the upset if it gets into rounds two and three here. So look to live bet Ed Herman. Probably better off staying away pre-fight. If you do pre-fight bet anyone here, you definitely got to bet Ed Herman. I mean, I would go pretty small and plan to add more in the live lines after Alonzo Menifield starts to slow down. But there is a really good chance that Alonzo Menifield just rocks Ed Herman with a punch, swarms him, and gets the upset or the, the favorite victory here in round one. I guess I'll go with that as my official pick. Alonzo round one knockout is the official pick. But boy, I hope I am wrong here. I hope Alonzo gasses out and loses a decision victory to Ed Herman here. So it would be great to see the old veteran pull off the upset victory. I'll be cheering for him here as the plus 200 underdog no pre-fight bets i really love and i the best bet i advise is a live bet on ed herman halfway through round one towards the end of round one so official pick alonzo round one knockout the next fight takes place in the bantamweight division we have draco rodriguez as the minus 118 favorite taking on vince morales as the minus 102 underdog I'm actually pretty surprised to see Draco Rodriguez as the favorite here. I don't really think he's that great of a fighter, and I just rewatched a lot of his footage, and the guy really only wins fights by submission. A lot of his fights involve grappling, where he immediately gets into the grappling in the first 15 seconds of a round. He's usually not the one hitting takedowns. He doesn't have really reliable wrestling to get the fight to the floor. He's usually the one getting taken down, and then looks to reverse, or looks to get a guard submission off of his back, and he does look like a decent overall grappler. Probably the better grappler than Vince Morales here, but if he has no reliable wrestling to get the fight to the floor, I can't really rely on him to get the fight into the grappling. So I expect the fight to stay on the feet most of the time. And there I just see a clear advantage for Vince Morales here. I think he's the better striker, faster, more power more layered in defense. I mean, both guys are a bit chinny. They've both been rocked and dropped, but what we saw from Rodriguez in his last fight against Alamin Zahabi, I mean, Zahabi is not really that great of a boxer, and he was able to rock and drop and completely knock out Draco Rodriguez in round one there, just because Rodriguez was so predictable with his offense. 
I really think that Draco is a low-level striker, and when this fight is in the feet, Morales should be outstriking him pretty easily here, possibly even knocking Rodriguez out. I like the Morales knockout prop at plus 380 or something like that. I guess there is a slight concern about the leg kicks from Morales. He is extremely leg-kickable, got dismantled in his last fight by Chris Gutierrez, but Gutierrez is a legitimate striker. He broke him down with a lot of process that Draco Rodriguez doesn't have. So even if Draco does attack the calf kicks here, Morales' biggest weakness, I don't trust him on the feet enough to continue that success and I think if he tries to strike with Morales for long periods of time he's probably going to get outboxed and eat right hands and possibly even hurt and knocked out here so unless Draco has randomly improved his wrestling here I don't expect him to win Vince Morales is a decent defensive grappler nothing special but I think he's good enough to avoid that guard submission that triangle that arm bar that Draco is going to throw up on the ground and I think Morales is going to outstrike him pretty badly on the feet here so I like Morales I don't think he should be the underdog I think he should be the slight Minus 130, minus 150, even favorite. And I like his knockout prop, as I mentioned, at plus 380. And I think there's a good chance he wins by knockout, slight chance he wins by decision. Uh, but Vince Morales is going to be my pick to pull off the upset victory here. The next fight takes place in the lightweight division. We have Rafael Fiziev as the minus 290 favorite, taking on Bobby Green as the plus 230 underdog. I've got another bet tracked on this fight, and it is on the underdog here, Bobby Green. I have a .7 unit bet on him as the plus 260 underdog. Got him a few days ago, plus 260, and the market has finally started to realize that this line is wide. Betters are coming in on Bobby Green these past few days. I got him at plus 260. He's plus 230 now, but even at plus 230, there is some value left. I think uh, Fiziev at maybe minus 200, minus 250 at the highest is the most I would cap him at here. And I think that Bobby Green is just going to make this fight close everywhere. Obviously, Fiziev has the striking advantage, likely the faster, more powerful striker on the feet, but. Bobby Green is a tough guy to outstrike. He's a very crafty striker of his own right. And make no mistake, Bobby Green is the better grappler here. Bobby Green is a tremendous defensive grappler that shouldn't come into play here. But he also can offensive grapple from time to time. He's not really known for it, but he can hit offensive takedowns. He can hit some upper body trips. He can go for the legs and get a double or single leg. And the guy has actually hit offensive takedowns in, I think, all four of his most recent fights. So look for him to get this fight in the clinch. Wear down on Fiziev a little bit, take away some of the power in Fiziev's arms, and look to hit some takedowns where he should have the grappling advantage, should have the wrestling advantage. And I know Fiziev has displayed some pretty decent takedown defense in his fights, but I think Bobby Green is probably the best overall fighter he's fought to date. Maybe Hanato Moicano is a little bit better than Green, but you know it's a very tough comparison to make. And Moicano just didn't really fight that well in that fight. He stayed at range. He stayed at distance where Fiziev is at his best. And I don't think that Bobby Green is going to do that. I think Bobby Green is going to pressure him. He's going to get him against the cage. He's going to try to get this fight ugly in the clinch and the grappling. And I think he's got a great chance to do that. And if he can... I think he's got a great chance to pull off the upset victory via decision here. Bobby Green, not much of a finisher, but he can wear on you. He can win rounds, and he doesn't have the best round winning style too, so you can't be uber confident in him. But if he can survive the biggest power from Fiziev in round one, I think he's got a good chance to pull off the upset decision victory in rounds two and three here uh, with his grappling, with his cardio, with his experience advantage. He is the much more experienced fighter in MMA, make no mistake. And he's been on a pretty good run, had a close decision loss to Tiago Moises in his last fight, but he really could be on a four fight win streak over pretty solid competition. So don't write Bobby Green off, even though he's the plus 200 or higher underdog here. And I'll still be picking Rafael Fiziev to win the fight by decision or knockout as my official pick, probably decision probably 29 28 decision for Fiziev but 
I like Bobby Green's chances to make this decision close and to possibly pull off the upset. So plus 260, I'm in on him at that price. And uh, Bobby Green by decision, maybe that uh, prop also has some value. Uh, so I'll be cheering for Bobby Green, one of my favorite fighters, honestly, on the entire roster. Hopefully he pulls off this upset victory. I like Rafael Fiziev a lot, but I just don't think he deserves minus 300 quite this early in his MMA career. So uh, Fiziev decision knockouts the pick, but go Bobby Green. The next fight is the first fight on the main card and takes place in the Bantamweight division. We have Casey Kenny as the minus 118 favorite taking on Song Yudong as the minus 102 underdog. I agree with Casey Kenny being the slight favorite in this spot. I just think he has a lot more ways to win the fight. I think he can win the striking and I think he definitely has the grappling upside here against Song Yudong. And Song Yudong is definitely the faster, more powerful striker on the feet. He has that power in his right hand, but he is so reliant on that right hand and his punches. I really don't think he's that versatile of a fighter. I think Casey Kenny is the more versatile striker overall. Casey Kenny fights out of that southpaw stance and really mixes it up between the legs, the body, the head, his punches, his kick combinations well. While Song Yudong is really reliant on that right hand of his, throws the occasional leg kick, but Really, it's just light kicks and boxing. He does an offensive wrestle. He doesn't have a diverse kicking game. And if you can start to pressure Song Yudong, put him on the back foot, he's not as effective. And if you can circle away from that right hand of his, you really take away his biggest weapon. And Casey Kenny is a smart fighter. I think he'll be well prepared to deal with that right hand of Song Yudong. And the striking exchanges are going to be really competitive between these two. I can see it being 50-50 the entire time. I don't think one guy will really differentiate themselves as the better striker if it is one guy it probably is going to be Song Yudong with the power behind his punches he possibly could stun and rock Casey Kenny at some points here but if that happens I expect Casey Kenny to try to get this fight in the grappling where he should be the much better grappler I think he does have the wrestling ability to take Song Yudong down we have seen Yudong taken down uh, in the Kyler Phillips fight the Cody Stamen fight even Marlon Vera was able to get him down a few times there so I think Casey Kenny has the wrestling to get him down could be able to out grapple him win some minutes win some rounds and possibly sway close rounds and one last factor to think about in this fight is who's going to have the better cardio both these guys have sort of slowed down at times throughout their career they haven't been necessarily gassed but they have slowed down throughout high paced fights uh, i don't think either one has a bad gas tank per se but i do think we can theorize on who has the better gas tank of the two and i do think it is casey kenny i think we've seen him in a lot higher pace fights and dig deep in round three especially the nathaniel wood fight where that was one one heading into round three and casey kenny really land uh, lean on his grappling his wrestling advantage there to get the fight to the floor to get a back take and to secure that round with his grappling control so i think a similar situation could happen here one one heading into round three and the grappling and cardio advantage of casey kenny could come into play to sway him that last round so i slightly lean towards casey kenny here song yudong does have a window to win with his boxing keeping this fight on the floor and landing that power punch of his but i do think kenny casey kenny has more ways to win as i've been explaining so i like casey kenny to win a decision here casey kenny by decision prop at plus 175 plus 180 has some value and money line i think has some slight value as well and maybe even look to live bet add more on casey kenny after round one that should be song yudong's best round and if casey kenny can get past that he should be pretty smooth sailing in rounds two and three so possibly look to add some more in casey kenny's live line the next fight takes place in the women's strawweight division. We have Tisha Torres as the minus 137 favorite, taking on Angela Hill as the plus 117 underdog. 
So this fight is a rematch of a fight that happened about six years ago. Tisha Torres won a pretty easy unanimous decision there. And the way the fight went is that Torres wasn't really engaging much on the feet. She didn't feel the need that she had to strike. And she was correct because she could hit easy takedowns on Angela Hill. Was able to catch Angela off guard and hit some open space takedowns. And was able to keep top position on Angela Hill pretty easily. Hill was a pretty weak defensive grappler back then. But looking over the past five or six years at who the fighter who has improved more is I think it's definitely Angela Hill I think she's gotten better as a striker certainly as a defensive grappler and I think Angela Hill in the past two years alone has made big strides in her defensive grappling she was taken down held down and tapped out by Random Marcos about two years ago but has been really improving that takedown offense she was able to get up from bottom position against Claudia Gedalia stuff takedowns from Gedalia stuff takedowns from Michelle Watterson and I think that Angela is really getting better as a defensive grappler and no doubt she's getting better as a striker I think the striking exchanges between these women are going to be really competitive uh, I think neither woman is going to look like more than a 60% favorite when the fight is in the feet I don't think either woman is going to justify uh, being a favorite when the fight is standing if anyone does I do expect it to be Angela Hill and if you're betting Tisha Torres here's a favorite minus 137 you better be pretty confident that she's going to hit takedowns on Angela Hill because she's not going to cover minus 137 if this fight stays standing she just won't in my opinion it's going to be too close for you to feel comfortable about Torres minus 130 when the fight is staying standing so if you are confident that Tisha Torres is going to hit takedowns here she probably still is the better wrestler of the two she probably is stronger so she may be able to get the fight in the clinch and kind of rip Hill down to the ground off of a takedown but I think Hill's got a better chance to get up I think she's got a much better chance to stuff the takedowns and I do think the striking slightly favors Angela Hill the clinch exchanges probably slightly favor Angela Hill so I'm going to be leaning towards my girl Angela Hill here um, I bet on her at plus 200 to win a decision here I think I picked uh, Tisha Torres as my official pick on some podcasts uh, I guess that still is my official pick i'll be glad to be wrong and for my girl angela hill to pull off the upset victory and i'll cash a bet on it because i bet angela hill by decision at plus 200 i think there's good value on that and i think this fight's going to be a lot closer than their first fight i think hills improve more of the two and i think she's ready for this matchup so i think it's going to be a close competitive coin flip type of decision i hope my girl angela hill gets it uh, although my official pick will be tisha torres uh, for official pick sake the next fight takes place in the welterweight division. We have Vincente Luque as the minus 122 favorite taking on Michael Chiesa as the plus 102 underdog. This is a great matchup, but I'm not expecting a great fight. I think this is going to be a pretty one of two outcomes type of thing. Luque is either going to stop the takedowns and butcher Chiesa on the feet, or Chiesa is going to hit those takedowns and outgrapple Luque. I doubt one guy wins round one and doesn't win the rest of the fight. You know what I mean? Like I think if whoever gets out to the round one lead is going to continue that success to either they find a finish or just dominate to a decision. So if it's Luque stuffing the takedowns, he's probably going to knock Chiesa out in rounds two or three. If it's Chiesa hitting the takedowns, he's probably just going to cruise on top to a decision victory, outgrappling Vincente Luque here. Michael Chiesa has looked tremendous since moving up to 170 pounds. He's 4-0 and he really hasn't had any adversity at all except for maybe the leg kicks, the early striking attack of Rafael Dos Anjos, but he was still able to win a comfortable decision there and he doesn't really have any signature wins. He probably doesn't have the same resume that Vincente Luque does at 170 pounds, but he looks tremendous. He looks at his all-time best here and Vincente Luque is looking really good too. He's always in entertaining fights, probably one of the most consistently entertaining fighters ever, but 
the guy has been in a ton of striking matchups. He's been pretty fortunate to not run into too many grapplers, you know, in a division with Gilbert Burns and Colby Covington and Kamara Usman. He really hasn't had to face that many high-level grapplers like that. And Michael Chiesa is the most dedicated grappler that he's fought in several years. The last time we really saw Vincente Luque fight a dedicated grappler was in the Leon Edwards fight. Not like Leon Edwards is uh, 100% a grappler, but he did look to grapple for most of that fight. He did have success hitting takedowns, keeping Luque on his back for certain periods of time. And that really tired Luque out in that fight. Luque typically has great cardio in striking fights and round three of striking fights, but this grappling fight, he was dead tired in round three. He just wasn't used to that same pace. And I think that's why I have a hard time picking him here because he hasn't faced many grapplers. He's been taken down by some inferior fighters like Nico Price, Randy Brown, Derek Krantz. All three of those guys taking him down is not a good look. And if I'm betting Vincente Luque is a favorite here against Michael Chiesa. I want to see some really proven good takedown defense, some good get up, solid defensive grappling in all areas. And I don't think we've seen that from Vincente Luque. We saw him taken down by the fighters I was mentioned. He gave up his back briefly to Derek Krantz. And I just think that Michael Chiesa is too good of a grappler to pick against him here. I think he's going to have an easier time getting those takedowns and securing them than Vincente Luque will have at defending those takedowns and keeping Chiesa off of him. And as I mentioned, this will be a pretty binary fight. I think either guy will probably look like a minus 300 favorite no matter who wins. It's either going to be Luque, you know, bashing his calves in with calf kicks, outboxing him really badly, stuffing takedowns, and probably knocking Chiesa out. Or it's going to be Chiesa putting on a wrestling and grappling top control clinic and grappling to either a dominant decision or maybe even a submission i think it'll be a decision for kiesa and i think if luke wants to win it's going to have to be a knockout so i like michael kiesa in this fight i have a one unit bet tracked on him at plus 125 odds and i think he's going to grapple and wrestle his way to a decision victory here uh probably 30 27 decision victory for kiesa here the next fight is the co-main event in the Bantamweight division. We have Jose Aldo as the minus 116 favorite taking on pedro munoz as the minus 104 underdog First off, we got to say this is an incredible matchup between two great fighters. I'm a huge fan of both guys. Aldo, one of the greatest fighters ever. Munoz, one of the most underrated fighters in the UFC right now. This is going to be an incredible fight. I would be happy with either guy winning this fight, but I would be happier if the guy who I bet on won, and that guy is Pedro Munoz. I do have a 1.5 unit bet on his money line at plus 116 odds, and I also have a small 0.2 unit bet on Pedro Munoz in round three at plus 1800 odds. And this is a really close matchup. I realistically could see either guy winning a decision here, and I think the first half of the fight favors Jose Aldo. I think he'll probably be landing his jab on Munoz. Munoz never has the best boxing defense, but he kind of just pressures you and eats shots until he eventually wears down on you. So I think Aldo's going to get out to an early lead here, likely win round one, maybe land some leg kicks of his own, some body punches, and that jab to the head of Munoz. And the first half of the fight favors Aldo. We might see Munoz at plus money in the live lines. But I think as the fight goes, the second half of the fight is going to really start to favor Munoz because Munoz is the pressure pressure fighter. He has great attritional tools like his front kick to the body, his leg kicks, his body punches. And it's going to be really interesting to see the leg kick battle between these guys. Jose Aldo is a great defensive striker as well. And I think he's going to be well prepared to deal with those calf kicks and those front kicks of Munoz better than most opponents of Munoz have. So it's going to be really interesting to see who wins the leg kick battle between these two. And that really could lead to victory on either side here. 
So far, all I've been talking about is striking between these two because I, I doubt any grappling happens here. I know Jose Aldo hit a takedown in his last fight against Marlon Vera to seal the decision victory and to win round three there, but I doubt that's going to happen here. Pedro Munoz is a tremendous defensive grappler, so I think this fight is going to be entirely striking. So you really got to think about who you favor over the full 15 minutes. I know I said Jose Aldo is going to get out to an early lead, probably wins round one, but I think round two is going to be a 50-50 type of round, and I think round three heavily favors Pedro Munoz because I just don't think Aldo can keep up with that pace and that pressure of Pedro Munoz at this 135 weight class. We haven't really seen Aldo push a super high pace. The highest pace that he did push was against Peter Jan. He did go hard for the full 15 minutes there, eventually slow down in the second half of that fight. But I think this fight's going to be a little different. I think Aldo's going to wear down a little bit harder round three with the nonstop pressure, the light kicks, the body work of Pedro Munoz. And I think we're probably going to see a pretty dominant round three for Munoz, possibly getting a finish, maybe a 10-8 round. We could be looking at a 29-27 uh, decision for Munoz. Is possibly a 28-28 draw. So I think a ton of outcomes are on the table here. I think Aldo could scrape by a 29-28 decision, uh, likely winning rounds one and two, losing round three. I think it could even happen that Munoz finishes him by knockout in round three. So I like a lot of props here. I'm on Pedro's money line. I'm on Pedro round three. And I also could like a, a stab at the draw, plus 6,600 for a fight that I think could be a 28-28 draw. Not a bad fight to stab on the draw at. So I would be pleased with either outcome here. Jose Aldo, my favorite fighter ever, pulling off this, uh, in my opinion, an upset victory this late into his career against a, a great fighter like Munoz. That would be amazing to see. But I obviously would prefer Munoz to win because I do have a bet tracked on him. And looking at where the line is at now, I do agree with where it's at now. A slight pick em, uh, both guys in the minus 110 range. I think that's right. I think either guy could win this fight. If it goes to the decision, it probably slightly favors Aldo. If it ends by finish, it probably is going to be Munoz finishing. Uh, Munoz no scorecard is not a bad bet as well. So this is an amazing fight. Cannot wait for this one. Probably the most intriguing matchup on the entire card. And uh, my pick is going to be Munoz by either round three finish or a 29-27 decision uh, type of thing for Munoz. So Munoz is my pick and I'll be betting him as well. The next fight is the main event of the card and takes place in the heavyweight division for the interim heavyweight championship. We have Cyril Gaon as the minus 361 favorite taking on Derek Lewis as the plus 286 underdog. I think this line is still a bit short. I would cap gain that closer to 80% here, maybe even as high as 85%. And I guess this is a somewhat intriguing matchup. You got the more technical, the fancier striker in Cyril Gaon versus the knockout artist Derek Lewis fighting in his hometown of Houston. Should be real fun to see Derek Lewis in front of his hometown crowd. But unfortunately for the Houston fans, I do think that Derek Lewis is probably going to get shut out here. I just think that Cyril Gaon is so much better of a striker better athlete, better footwork, so much faster. He's got more striking tools. He's got great leg kicks. He's got great body kicks. He's a solid boxer. I mean, I was just raving about Cyril Gaon uh, against Alexander Volkov. That was only about two months ago, and he's making this quick turnaround after a dominant performance over Volkov. I mean, Cyril Gaon has proven he has the output to go the full five rounds. He can strike at a high output for 25 minutes straight. I mean, I really can't say enough good things about Cyril Gaon. Certainly nothing negative I can think about him to say for this matchup because Derek Lewis needs to find that knockout with the perfect strike. He's going to have to land that perfect punch and shut Cyril Gaon's lights out because I don't think he can win the fight any other way. Winning by submission or decision seems virtually impossible for Derek Lewis for me. So 
If you like Derek Lewis here, take him by knockout. I say that about most of his fights. In a three-round fight, okay, sure, he can might he might be able to win a decision when he's fighting short, stocky, not that good fighters like Blagoy Ivanov, like Ira Latifi. He can maybe pull off a decision there. But over five rounds against a great athlete and a great striker like Ciro Gan, he's just not going to win rounds. He's not going to win a decision. And the only way he can win is by knockout. So instead of taking Derek Lewis money line, just take Derek Lewis knockout plus 350 plus 400. But even that I don't think is that much value. This is going to sound pretty similar to my Curtis Blades analysis from the last fight. Curtis Blades was obviously a moron ducking his head into that uppercut. I mean, he was faking that takedown for 15 seconds straight and he finally shot the takedown. Derek Lewis timed it with a beautiful uppercut and sent him out cold. It was an incredible knockout, one of the knockouts of the year. Credit to Derek Lewis for pulling off the upset there, but the difference in this matchup is that Cyril Gaon doesn't make mistakes like that. He doesn't put his head in positions where Derek Lewis is going to be able to find that perfect counter shot. When you think about the distance management skills between Curtis Blades and Cyril Gaon, it's a pretty huge difference. So I just don't see Gaon putting himself in a vulnerable position like Curtis Blades was doing there. So it's just going to be really hard for Derek Lewis to find the knockout shot. He's going to be getting running into leg kicks. He's going to be getting body kicked. He's going to be getting lit up with that jab of Cyril Gaon. And he's going to have a hard time just tracking Cyril Gaon down in this big cage against the better athlete with the better footwork. It's just going to be hard for Derek Lewis to find the chin of Cyril Gaon. I don't see it happening. I think the fight is going to go like Cyril Gaon is going to dominate until... Derek Lewis can find that knockout shot. Do you think that knockout shot's going to happen? Yes or no? I don't. So I think Cyril Gaon's going to win the fight. And earlier in the week, I tweeted out that Cyril Gaon was still available at minus 310. I did jump on that. And this is the fighter I parlayed Johnny Munoz with. Earlier in the card, I mentioned that about 30 minutes ago. So if you're still listening, I appreciate you guys listening. But I did parlay. Cyril Gaon at minus 310 with Johnny Munoz at minus 230. That came out to almost even money. So I think that's a really good parlay. I capped both guys closer to 80%. So there's still some value left if you parlay the two of those. And the last question about this Sirogan fight becomes, does Sirogan finish by knockout or does he cruise to a decision like he typically does? And when the fight was first announced uh, six weeks ago or something, I was leaning towards decision, you know, Game was coming off of that decision victory over Rosenstrike and Volkov. He kind of cruised to the full five rounds in both of those fights, didn't chase the knockout. So I was kind of assuming he was going to do that again, but after watching the Lewis and Blades fight, just seeing how badly Lewis looked when he got hit there, I mean, he was getting easy leg kicked by Blades, he was getting hit with some punches, and he didn't look as durable as he typically did in his recent fights or in his past fights throughout his career. He was just not reacting well to getting hit by Curtis Blades, so I think that Cyril Gaunt's going to have him in a lot more trouble. The leg kicks are going to limit his movement, the body kicks are going to drain the energy, and we know that Derek Lewis is weak to the body. He's been hurt by body shots a few times, most recently by Junior dos santos i mean just two or three years ago junior dos santos was dropping uh lewis with punches he hurt him with a body kick he finished him in round two and i think it's pretty safe to say at this point that 2021 cyril Gaon is a better striker than 2018 junior dos santos so I see Cyril Gaon having similar success. I think he's going to outstrike him badly, probably get a knockout in rounds two or three. But if he didn't really chase that knockout and just cruise to another five-round decision, picking apart Lewis to a 50-45, that wouldn't really shock me either. So I don't really like betting on Gaon decision versus Gaon knockout here. I think either could happen. I'm leaning a bit towards knockout in rounds two or three. But like I said, both outcomes are on the table. And uh, a Lewis knockout, of course, would shock me. I cap him closer to 15 to 20 here so if you like Derek Lewis at all here 
don't bet his money line bet his knockout and uh, that's my advice for this fight i think Allen's going to win by knockout in round two as my official prediction and that's going to do it for the podcast this episode went a bit long this week, but I watched a lot of tape for these fights. I have some pretty strong leans here, and I have uh, a lot of thoughts in these fights, so that's why I talk for a while. And I also have a lot more bets than I traditionally do. Usually risk about five or six units a card on Bet MMA, but I'm close to 10 units at this point. So it's going to be a big card to track bets. Hopefully it's going to be profit. Uh, Johnny Munoz is the lock of the century. And uh, hope you all enjoy the fights this weekend. Hope you all win some bets. And there's no UFC next week, so I'll see you guys in two weeks before the next UFC card. Peace. Thank you.